Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're about to listen to Bananas for Bonanza, episode 14. This is Andy Daly. Hello. Here on this free feed, I'll be re-releasing all of the back episodes of Bananas for Bonanza one every other week. If you want to hear new episodes ad-free, please subscribe to my Patreon at patreon.com slash Daly. The entire Bananas for Bonanza archive is also waiting for you there, and you can access lots and lots of bonus content. So do that. Okay. Thank you. Enjoy. <laughs> Yeah! Bonanza, it's the finest show alive. So consult your TV guide, get your great outdoors inside. Take some Ponderosa pride and forever make it right. I'm Bananas for Bonanza. As always, I'm gonna start off with a real loud yeehaw. I think I'll make it. I think I'll make it uh, two decibels louder this time. So just account for that, there, Brian. Here we go. Yeehaw! <laughs> what happened? Well, I fired off a bullet in the name of uh, one Stephen Glander from Oshkosh, Wisconsin. This goes out to you and yours, and hope you can make a love connection this week, Tiger. All right. Each week, uh, Mutt fires off a bullet uh, dedicated to a listener. I didn't hear the actual firing this time. I think uh, something went wrong with the sound. Oh, maybe but I was using the silencer. Who the hell knows? Might have been. Might have been that. Okay, folks. Hey, this is it. Bananas for Bonanza. You already heard from Mutt Taylor there. Uh, th- wait, I'm going to say the thing I always say at the beginning of these episodes. Hello, friend. Come on in. The gate is open wide. Yep, it's Bananas for Bonanza. We talk about America's television show, Bonanza, episode by episode. And this time we're talking about season one, uh, episode 14. Now, unfortunately, there's only 431 episodes total of this show. So we uh, just got to <laughs> savor everyone. We're getting d- damn close. Close to the end. Uh, and uh, you already heard from Mutt Taylor, regular co-host, regular co-host, Amy Slaverson is here as well. Hello, Amy. 
Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate the subject matter of this particular episode is two biblical women, just like Mary and Martha or Lot's daughters. Yes, that's right. Folks don't know, uh, uh, Amy Sleverson is a Christian entrepreneur and a biblical scholar and a Bonanza scholar. And those two overlap to a surprising degree, the Bible and Bonanza. And you you see some uh, biblical uh, overlays here with these two sisters? Oh, yes. The one sister is is pretty and then the other one is also pretty. And then there one's mad and then the other one's not mad and she she's really happy but the other one's mad about it yeah that happens all the time in the bible all the time in the bible i agree both sisters are pretty but one of them is just a it's a major issue how decrepitly old she's become a major issue i mean she must be at least 32 good heavens if if a day well wow methuselah Methuselah. Man, I could not. Well, this episode is called The Sisters, by the way. I could not be more excited to tell you about the wonderful guests we have on this episode. We really did it this time, man. We got a fantastic guest. This this woman is a hilarious writer, and she's written books and TV. And I, I am reliably told that anything you've ever enjoyed in the medium of a comedy talk show was invented by this guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Meryl Marco. <gasps> yeah. Hey, 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 how's it going, Meryl? It's going good, I think. Yeah. It's going good. You know, I'm also a Christian entrepreneur. Well, oh, I didn't know that. What Do you work as a part of a sales team or do you have your own business? Both. Oh. What is it? What, well, uh, Amy Sleverson's business is a, a sort of a multi-level marketing situation. Is, is yours that kind of that same model or what? Mine is unilevel. Oh, unilevel. There's just unilevel. one level. That yeah. and where you don't have to have parties because I'm shy. It's hard to have so many parties. No, we don't have any parties. We never have parties. What sorts of things do you sell there as a Christian entrepreneur? Well, we're not sure yet. We're just working on the catalog. Uh, so far, I think um, all we've got, uh, we've got a, a nice fly swatter in development. Oh, oh, oh fun. That's all we've got. So well, far. flies come around when there's devil, like in that movie, Exorcist. So you need a fly oh, swatter. Like with Mike Pence when he was sure. uh, on the debate. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, yeah. He's he's a good Christian for sure. There's no denying Because mother wasn't around to kill the fly for him. <laughs> That's one of mother's jobs, I take it. Mother pants. Mother might be the fly. It's part of motherhood in general, I think. <laughs> Taking care of uh, vermins and insects, I suppose so. Yeah. At least uh, at least while I was out on the range, that's how it was. Well, uh, yep. Okay, well, that's exciting. And you've got a brand new book. And this book is called We Saw Scenery. And right. uh, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll read. It's part of my Unilevel marketing, by the way. Oh, Okay. Because I'll tell you, I read, I read it. I, I'm hard pressed to think now of what the Christian content was in it, but I guess it was there. You just got to know to look for it. Well, when I was, it, it's based on my early diaries, and when I was uh, between the ages of uh, ten and twelve, I was in love with a Nazi. <laughs> That's right. What? That, Which that was... one? <laughs> the cute yeah, one. What rank? The really cute one in my class. Yeah, I didn't realize he was a Nazi, even though he was doing Heil Hitler when I would walk into the room. Oh, I didn't realize that was an insult. So you like bad boys? Right. You know, I guess that was the beginning of liking bad boys. I don't think they get more bad than that. No. Yeah, I understood. I have to say, I, I understood your your position at the time because it was a little bit like, well, at least he's paying attention to me. That's what it was. That's yeah. what I felt. He was paying attention to me. 
And I didn't realize that uh, he was representing the Third Reich because I didn't really understand the Third Reich. Right. Yeah, Nazis are known for paying attention. Yeah. Some kind of attention, it turns out, is not uh, as good as other kinds. (laughs) No, definitely not. It's something we learn in life. We learned uh, that from this episode, too. Oh, my goodness, yeah. do you ever. This episode, <laughs> Bonanza. Really? Yeah, those that's a good way to think sisters, about it. Those old, old sisters, but the one really, really, really old. That poor old she crone. Was, what, like pushing 38? <laughs> Maybe. I hate to think of someone that old. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a wonderful book. And so the story is you found uh, fairly recently uh, old diaries you kept as a child. Going back to what age was it? Oh, 10. 10 years old. I started writing them when I was 10. And the reason <laughs> I, I made them into a book is because I, I took them out. I found them recently, and they had a lock and a key. So I thought, what is it I was locking up every <laughs> night? I'm, I'm not writing anything that valuable now. So I thought, well, I'll sit down and I'll read it, and I'll review it. like uh, Since I know that that kid went on to become a writer, I'll, re- I'll review it like a piece of literature. Right. And I found out that what I had done is when I was 11 and 12 and 13, written down every single thing I did every single day, which is wow. not how I keep a diary now. But it was a real good answer to the question, what you do in fifth grade, <laughs> which I had no answer to that question. If you'd asked me what you do in fifth grade before that, I would have said um, that was girl. That was Girl Scout. No, Girl Scouts was sixth grade. I wouldn't have known. But now I do know. know. So I started illustrating them because I thought it would be interesting to see what I did every day in fifth grade. And then I thought I'd make it into something. And then, uh, you know, then I became a Christian entrepreneur and I made it into a book. Fantastic. That's a great thing. You got to get into writing when you should really get in the, the big Christ money, you know, cause Christ got the book going and then that's been the that's, biggest that's seller true. of all time. How exactly right. I'm hoping that this will be a sort of a follow up big seller. The, uh, the Bible, Tale of Two Cities, and then my book would be the, the three big sellers, is my hope. That Jesus, he worked all the angles. He wrote the most popular book ever. And he was such a workaholic, sure, that guy. Oh, uh, for sure. And he he says to himself, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have everlasting life so I can keep collecting them royalties. That was smart. Meryl, if I sent you just a quick sample of my new book, it's a relationship guide for Christian women. It's called it's called Tricks. And it's how how you get what you need and want without anyone knowing it. That sounds fantastic. That sounds so useful. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there, there's a scene in it. Well, we'll talk about it in the, in the episode where, uh, yeah, the older of the two sisters really uh, coaches the younger one on various tricks to trick. Oh, she out. has some great tricks. I, uh, in fact, can we get to that right now? Can I can I mention my favorite trick? Or uh, yeah, sure. Cool? We we do go. Uh, believe me, we go scene by scene. <laughs> but, so I should wait until we get. Well, I mean, I don't walking. know. There's no rules. You could because that ahead. woman said that she always had a different way to walk into a room. Every yeah. time she walked into a room, she would come down the stairs. And I thought she had to do a lot of reconnaissance before she said yes to attempting something. <laughs> she had to know where all the entrances and exits were. My God. Yeah. It's not easy to enter a room by way of coming down the stairs unless wise you live there, right? Well, yeah. You'd you have got- to and you'd have to know there were stairs. And if if there were no stairs, you'd have to know, okay, I'm gonna come in through a back window. I'm gonna you'd have to always know some way to come in 
besides the obvious way. And that would take a lot of work. A lot and of I, work. I applaud her for that. She for must have visited a lot of basement working. homes. Hmm? A lot of basement homes? She must have gone to a lot of basement homes. Oh, yeah. so she could come in on the ground floor, but yeah. make a an entrance on the stairs. Basement homes and bomb shelters. Mostly. Or she could do that trick where you go, oh, <laughs> oh. That is one way of entering a room. I mean, there's one right there. Is that the trick where your uh, uh, your audience is on the other side of a couch from you? Yeah. You're, pretend you're going down the couch. Okay. Yes. Stairs, right. escalators, elevators, and canoes, I think, are the... Uh, she was she was such a pip that woman, and she really didn't have a chance to show that side of her in this bonanza. I'm, I hope there's a follow up of her. And so oh, future don't bonanza. count on it. I don't believe, <laughs> I don't believe we've ever seen a woman come back more than once. No, uh, or live. Uh, yeah. Not as no, the they same die character. Off, anyway. don't they? Not as the same. They all die off. Oh well, yeah, uh, yeah. But I think if you're if you're committed to always making an entrance by coming down the stairs, you either have to get there like an hour and a half early, or climb in an upstairs window through a ladder. And both of them are unreasonable, in my opinion. Exactly, that's my point. It just it took a lot of ingenuity, and you gotta you. She would be a guest you would want to invite just to find out which way she was gonna enter. <laughs> yeah, after the entrance, you you could send her home, but that first part you got to see. Uh, and so, yeah, well, anyways, I was reading this book and you says in there that you was a big fan of watching television in the sixties. And I says, well, she has to have been a Bonanza fan. Uh, I was a Bonanza fan and I, I didn't realize I watched a lot of Bonanza. I didn't realize many things about Bonanza that I realized by watching this one. For instance, I didn't realize what tiny teeth yeah. Cornell Roberts has. Almost it like a looks like he has teeth that should be wearing teeth. Like teeth that go inside yeah. teeth, little little pointy nub like yeah. teeth, little many, teeth many substrates that need full on veneers or something. You think it might? It could exactly. be that the teeth is regular size, but the rest of his head is just so big. I mean, it could. <laughs> that that could definitely be as well. I also didn't realize how the the show looked like it was on a set yeah. so much. I mean, I, to me, it, I thought it was outdoors and it was in a town. You know, when I was a kid, but. Now it just looks like it, it took place in some shopping mall that has been recently refurbished to look old Westy. A Northwoods Inn, Clearman's Northwoods Inn. You guys oh, got yeah. that restaurant around here? Look, Clearman's Northwoods Inn. The ones with this fake snow on the roof. and the Folks, if you're shelf. ever in Arcadia, check out the Clearman's Northwoods Inn. That's, That's right. I tell you what, yeah. Yeah, it, it is good, and it's the place where the real beard Santa Clauses meet every year. Well, that's great, and uh, uh, yeah. So you was watching it at that time, and you was also watching My Three Sons, which is a blatant ripoff of uh, Bonanza. And you, but, have you noticed, by the way, that none of the sons ever look like? I mean, I assume that means that Lauren Green had three mo three marriages. Oh yes, right. this is uh this is spelled out in great detail in the pilot episode of Bonanza, where it is explained that uh, uh, Ben Cartwright had three different wives, all of whom died. He buried three wives. Is that true? They really spelled it out in the pilot. Oh yeah, they make yeah. it very clear that <laughs> that Adam is the son of a Boston woman and with tiny uh, teeth. She's the one with the tiny teeth. <laughs> and then there was uh, Joe is the son of a Creole New Orleans fancy woman, and then Hoss That's is the that's code for Jewish. <laughs> I think it might be. And Hoss is the son of a of a big Swede. Uh, 
And so I think they just did a thing where they cast these three actors and realized somebody was overthinking it and said they don't all look like brothers. And then they went to a lot great pains to figure out how to how to justify that and also how to justify that there wasn't going to be a regular woman on the show. Ah, And then also, did you notice that I think Lauren Green was the makeup model for our president, uh, our ex-president? <laughs> yeah. Well, he looks pretty orange, huh? He's very orange. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. They really slathered only... that makeup on with like a trowel, I think, in those days. Yeah, he did. He was uh, not much older than the rest of the cast at that time, which is strange. And we've also learned now that he had a, a hairpiece on there. Can't believe it. That, yeah, that Pernell top of his Roberts, hair. too. I think they said to Pernell, do you want hair or teeth? And he says, I'll take hair. My tic-tac teeth will be just fine. Thank you very much. They don't have time to do both in the makeup chair. Yeah. Yep, that makes sense. Well, all right. That's good. Any other interesting? Because now you, you're saying you've gone back and revisited Bonanza as, for, after it's been a long time, and these are some things you've noticed. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I thought Sue Ellen, uh, you know, I like the, I like that uh, they always say everybody's first and last name when they talk in this. That's right. Sue, like they Sue, never, they never say. Terry. Yeah, they always say Sue Ellen Terry, or they say um, uh, Adam Cartwright. Or young Cartwright, you always get your last name in there when you're talking, and you always use their name in every sentence that you. Except can. if you're the drunk, you just get Dixie. Old uh, Dixie, that's yeah. old Dixie. Yeah. He, yeah, but he had the best wardrobe. He did. That was one natty-looking drunk. Yeah, he was living the part. He was, he was. Yeah, this is a great episode. This episode really, really has everything. It's got gunfire. It's got hop sing. It has non-consensual kissing. It has a, a real whodunit and uh, plenty of uh, what you call euphemisms for fucking in there. And it's plus, it also has the entire cast. We've been watching these episodes now from the beginning, and uh, most of the time, two of the members of the regular cast, half the cast, in the first scene of the episode, they are dispatched with for the entire episode. They just don't say, you think? Don't, don't you think Dan Blocker was mad when he read the script and saw that he only got one scene, and it was him being comic relief, crawling around on his stomach looking for chickens? It ain't yeah. the first time. He was once in a candy shop scene for about two minutes for the whole episode. Yeah. It's so funny because he's bigger than the other ones. <laughs> yeah. And he is bigger. He's and bigger he has a white hat and they all have black hats. Oh, yeah. Yes. Hey, wait a minute. I just realized I forgot to press record. <laughs> Tough luck, Ryan. <laughs> Who's Ryan? <laughs> Brian, the sound engineer. What oh. did you say? Who's Ryan? Oh, well, I just started recording. That's funny. Well, anyway. I just wanted so to pitch my a new line of jewelry that I'm putting out on behalf of this episode. It's oh, yeah. for women whose husbands are taking anger management courses. Oh. So when they see what you have on your necklace, they kind of, it helps them slow down, you know, because that's, she had such beautiful jewelry in this episode. So it says, um, you know, treat me like a friend, you know, as you would a friend in script or halt H-A-L-T, don't get too hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. And I have those with, they, are, they aren't they are made in New York, but I could sell them to you if you live in New York. They're all made in China, but sold in the USA. 
<laughs> sold in the USA. So this is a uh, yeah. So you're you're a woman, and your uh, uh, spouse or boyfriend or whatnot has anger management issues, and this is just a very bright, shiny necklace that would sort of uh, stop them in their tracks before yeah, they acted out. I definitely would like to buy one of those. Although I'm not saying my boyfriend or husband has anger management issues. I just would like to have one. One, yeah. one earring says breathe. And then the other one says through your nose. <laughs> would that work if I have anger management and I could just look in the mirror? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Can you sell some that is written backwards for people to look in the mirror and calm themselves down? Do you have any that just say ambulance? You guys, you have so many good ideas. Oh, I'm writing it all down. Amy, I'd like to partner with you if you could, because I've been kind of brainstorming some novelty gifts where I, I want to sell some candles called None of Your Beeswax, and you open the box and there ain't nothing in there. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, it's pretty funny, right? I like that idea. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's funny. That Serves is. you right. Serves you yeah. right for opening a box that says None of Your Beeswax. <laughs> I, I still get a crack out of it, and I thought of it. Yeah, <laughs> that's how you know it's a good idea. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, why don't we talk a little bit about? I want to talk about these uh, uh, various people that is in this show and made this show. I like to start out the show with some fun facts about the people that is in it. <laughs> and uh, we talked. Uh, so this episode has Buddy Epson in it. You all know Buddy Epson, Barnaby Jones, and the Beverly Hillbillies. And he plays the fine uh, 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 Holly Golightly's father in that Breakfast of Tiffany's. He uh, broke husband. character in this one. He's he's was reaching for a different coloration in this in this, in this episode of Bonanza. Yeah. Wait, do I have this wrong? Wasn't he her husband in Breakfast at Tiffany's? Oh, is that it? Holly he Golightly's could have been husband? both. To be honest, I they I mean they're hinting at some crazy shit in that. Maybe that's it. Her her his character's name was Doc Golightly, and he's a bit of a yokel who comes into the big city for an awkward scene. <laughs> You're right. He's shuffling from foot to foot. Yeah, he's the only character, only redeeming character in that movie, except for uh, funny uh, uh Mickey Rooney. So funny in that movie. Uh, <laughs> then we got. Uh, then, uh, oh, you know, uh, Buddy Epson was the original Tin Man in The Wizard of Oz. They originally says, Buddy, we want you to do it. And they brought him down there, and they put all that silver makeup on his face, and he became horribly ill. I think they wasn't even silver makeup. It was just molten lead. Maybe that's what it was. But then the funny thing is, they said, well, Buddy, you can't do the role. And instead of saying, uh, let's figure out a different way to make the fella look like he's made a tin, they said, let's bring in another actor and see what happens to him. <laughs> That they was just going to go. I heard that when he did Beverly Hillbillies, he it was insisting that they put that silver <laughs> oh, makeup. Oh, man. He got hooked on it. He thought, I'm going to prove to someone that I can live through this, <laughs> this silver makeup. Yeah. <laughs> Every role since the Tin Man, it's in his contract. It's in his contract. And they have to it's go weird. in and post-production and try to make him look unsilver. They got to unsilver him. So it, now this is a true story. He got sick from silver paint. And then you hear that story about... Uh, the girl in Goldfinger dying from gold paint, which ain't true, but... Oh, that's not true? No, it's not true. If you paint somebody completely in gold paint, you don't kill them? No, you don't kill them. I guess you kill them if it's paint full of lead like Buddy Epson had, but... But their skin can't breathe. Their skin can't breathe, so they suffocate. Isn't that Turns what out your skin doesn't breathe. Your lungs do. <laughs> Damn Did it. you know that? I didn't. No, I don't know anything about. I didn't either. About. The I'm largest looking. organ of the body is your layer, the skin. Yeah, right. 
but it don't have lungs. Your your body does. Your skin doesn't have lungs. This is shocking information. So what I mean, did that maybe, woman? What did that woman die of in the Goldfinger? Because she, she was she dead. Didn't, oh, in the movie she in, died. Yeah. Oh, I, no. There's a there's a myth that the real actress died. Oh, I see. you ain't never heard that. I ain't never heard that. No. Well, I'm glad I paused this podcast to talk about it for so long. <laughs> I guess that's why, really, when you think about it, you re- rarely hear of a serial killer just painting <laughs> the victim's gold. That I guess it's it's slow and it's not that. And effective. they can do just as well being a house painter. Yeah, that's true. If I you're mean, that good at painting something that moves, you might as well become a a, a house painter, which doesn't even move. I made some lotions. Um, at home that I oh, was uh-huh. manufacturing, and I I just put in household bleach just because sometimes for there's this condition called melasma, and you know our former president he's so good at just saying, well try this, you know I thought well I have an intuitive medical not working knowledge of how things work, so I just you know, put a little bleach in it, but it, it stings. Oh yeah. Bleach on your skin. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So you guys keep referring to Donald Trump as our former president. Yeah, I'm we're, confused by that. I'm too. confused. We're recording this on uh, November 11th of 2020 and you're being hasty. You're being real hasty because, uh, he's, uh, you know, who knows how any of these States are going to go. It's all up in the air. I heard, I didn't hear through QAnon, but through Al-Anon, I heard he died. <laughs> A lot, of, a lot of strange theories being thrown around Alan on. Well, all right. Yeah, that all their relatives are drunks. Yeah, that's what they say. So uh, we also had now playing the role of Sue Ann. Sue Ellen Terry was a woman by the name of Faye Spain. And she uh, she was in a number of uh, important films such as Hercules Conquers Atlantis. And she also, in which Hercules conquers Atlantis, just as it says, she also played Hyman Roth's wife in The Godfather 2. Isn't that something? Yep. Wow. I went I back and watched too. her scenes. They are, she is only seen in very wide shots. Uh, from behind. T- from behind, tending to her husband like a nurse. It's just about the only time. Oh, He's she alarmingly skinny in this movie. I I hope they weren't starving her. Uh, and she remained that skinny all the way through The Godfather too. I can tell you that. But <laughs> yep. Well, uh, maybe she had to do that because she knew she had a corset scene coming yeah. up. Yeah. And she really prepped for it that way. Yeah, that corset scene. She has a big corset. It's scene. It's a big deal. And that's where we. And then she had, she actually dances like that music box at one point. You must have noticed oh, that. Yes, she dances Which, just like. It. I put on, it's not available on Spotify, so it's a special Bandcamp download that you have to be on my Patreon account, but it's it's, um, a music box uh, soundtrack that you can play for your home, like for your home when there's fights around the house. That would be very soothing during a fight. What a beautiful- Or it would drive people berserk. What are some of the musical selections in that? Um, Florida Lee. Yeah. Um, Frere Jaca. Beautiful. Um, yeah. So um, when the temperature starts really rising and voices are being raised, you just turn that on and it goes tinkle 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 <laughs> or whatnot. And for Elise, probably too. I bet you that one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. How does that yes. go? 
Tinkle tea, tinkle tea, Beautiful. That is so, calming me down, I have to say. Yeah, I started this podcast red hot, and now I feel yeah. real calm. I would say that's either going to stop the fight or make the fight ten times more disturbing. It might, yeah. Right? Either mm-hmm. one of those two. You well, want to rise in music music when when you're discussing things with your family. Oh, sure you do. Uh, Gene Willis played Amelia Terry in this episode, and uh, she was, uh, interestingly enough, she played Nurse Sally Withers in Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which we were talking about uh, last People this in this movie, episode. in this show, all had a big horror movie background. Oh, really? Did you notice yeah. that in other, other, other cases, too? Yeah, who else? I did. I noticed that the director, I believe it was the director, did uh, the thing from Out of Outer Space and Twilight Zone. Oh, yeah. Christian Nyby. He's he's this is at least the third episode of Bonanza. Uh he's uh, directed in season one. There's a bit of a controversy as to whether he really directed the thing from outer space. People think maybe Howard Hawk really directed it, but he just put Christian Nyby's name on it to be nice. So so it says out there. That's like know. what Steven Spielberg did to Toby Hooper on Poltergeist. Is that right? Oh yeah. You know I'm a big film lover. Sure. Love Taylor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh but anyway, that's that's a, that's a thing in there. Yeah, horror. There's lots of horrors and westerns in everybody's uh, resumes. And by the way, I I did notice that except for Buddy Epson, every one of these guest stars was in an episode of Perry Mason, which I know was another show you liked as a young person there, Meryl. Uh, I did like Perry Mason. Yeah. I would like to do a shout out to the musical director, David Rose, who really aids your enjoyment of this episode in the fact that <clears throat> even though it's very, very simply written, he makes sure you understand what the emotional context is of every scene by really underlining it with a big, a big dramatic sting of music. And, um, yeah. and he had a very dramatic background, uh, mm-hmm. I believe that's worth mentioning. Yeah. He was married to both Martha Ray and Judy Garland. So that gives him a full range of emotional complexity, I believe. Are you guys sort of getting a tooth? Uh, theme running through this because you got Martha Ray who did all them denture commercials and you got uh, what Pernell Roberts's tiny little pointer teeth. Something's going on here. There was yeah. something going on. There's something very disturbing that I really don't want to think about too hard. Yeah. Yeah. Now, it's not that special to be married to Judy Garland, right? Because a lot of people have that. Have <laughs> I think that a lot their... of people who are married to Martha Ray do. Is they? that right? Are they quote unquote married? You know. <laughs> Right. So, yeah, he's it, it, just, just sort of in the chorus of those two people's married lives, perhaps. There's a lot of people in there. Um, yeah, I don't I don't notice music when I watch a television show. I never notice it. Unless I, re- I really noticed it in this one because he doesn't make you have to wonder what's happening. He right. lets you know with a big orchestral sting that something bad is about to happen or something wonderful is happening. In fact, you could just listen to the musical score of this. And turn off the sound, and you could still understand what the plot was. You can tell where the whore is. <laughs> oh, exactly yeah. Exactly right. Yeah. The only time the music really sort of made itself known to me was in that hilarious scene with Hop Singing Hoss, where they're just trying to catch chickens. Oh, That's see, now that was whimsical music. Very whimsical. Yeah. It was It was incredible. It was oppressively whimsical. And then every time <laughs> they showed a woman, it was music box music. Oh, wow. See That's that? called the leap motif. Oh, isn't that something? I don't know. Because don't we're insane in a name. My husband won't let me have a diary. 
um, Meryl, or it's actually, it's a new form of diet. How I do it is, you know, like in libraries where there's a giant dictionary mm -hmm. out on a, that's how I keep my diary so he can read through it whenever he wants. I think that's wise. It's important to not, to not keep secrets from yeah. someone you're close well, to. Yeah. <laughs> Track them. Or else write in secret code, as I do in my diaries now. So it can't really be detected. They can look through it, but then they won't know what you're saying, and only you will know. And then later you go through with your code detector and you translate it again. I say, oh, oh. I'm being abused. Exactly. And he says, oh, that's what she, she went to the grocery store and got me Pop-Tarts. <laughs> So every time you write down, I got me Pop-Tarts, you know it means I'm being abused. No, it's the opposite. Oh, oh, it's the opposite. Oh, you're not. Yeah. Okay. You'd rather have him read I'm being abused than I got me Pop-Tarts? Well, just so he knows, you know, that I'm thinking of him. Oh, I see. Okay. All right. Yeah. It's a trick. It's from one of my tricks. Oh, boy. I can't wait to read that book. I, I, yeah. I'm going to give them out for Christmas. I'm going to buy many copies. Yeah. One of the main tricks is lying. That's always a good trick. I don't yeah. think there is a better trick developed by man in the history of civilization than lying. You just, you I can't think of a time when lying is so good at it, and he never really got the credit for it. Mm. Yep. Well, and then we've got uh, John Stevenson played John Henry, and he had a, a fantastic career in cartoon voiceovers. He was uh, on G.I. Joe as General Hawk and General Flag and General Franks. <laughs> he also uh, he played Augie Doggy's father, Doggy Daddy, and he was Mister Slate on the Flintstones. John I, Henry was the uh, guy who played John Henry. Yeah, he was. Oh. Now I'm gonna I want to share my screen with you because I want to show you. Uh, I read something on his resume that uh, I never heard of before. Because I he have was, to admit, the first time I looked at him, I just thought when I saw him in the duel, I thought if only they'd cast Chris Elliott in this part, then we would have had an episode. <laughs> We would have had some laughs. He's a funny fella. But I, I had never heard of the show The Partridge Family 2200 AD. And uh, uh, John Stevenson played the role of Reuben Kincaid on this show. And I want to show you just the end of the opening credits of The Partridge Family 2200 AD cartoon. A dog in those days had nine vertical teeth. That's really unusual. See, teeth. It's back again. That's you're seeing there in freeze frame. That's the character of Danny, uh, played by Danny Bonaducci, I think, uh, having made a gigantic sandwich for his robot dog to eat. Uh, here's the rest, just the end of the credits. I hope you hear it as well as see it. It's the Partridge Family, showing us how it's gonna be. The Partridge Family. Wow. What do you think of that? I think it's the Jetsons. Yep, me too. <laughs> I noticed there was coronavirus uh, particles in there for one minute. Yeah. Did you see that? You're they right. predicted that. Did you notice their little... Before they all came through in the little circles, it was coronavirus. Oh, and their yeah. little space cruiser had the same kind of patchwork pattern as their bus. Yes, I did notice. That's a nice touch. Yeah. They thought of everything on that cartoon. What happened to ben Danny Bonaducci? He had his own reality show for a while, and it was very disturbing, I recall. Yeah. 
Last thing I remember about Danny Bonaducci is that he uh, had a boxing match with the fellow that played Greg Brady. And uh, it was like for charity or something. And the fellow that played Greg Brady was like, well, this is all for goofs. And Danny Bonaducci like trained for a year and <laughs> fucking like really <laughs> I'm going to beat hell out of Greg Brady. So uh, I, I imagine it's been smooth sailing since then for the both of them. <laughs> yep. I remember that. Then uh, old Dixie, who we talked about, he was uh, in the movie I Was a Teenage Werewolf, which was uh, Michael Landon was the star of. You ever see that movie, Meryl, by any chance? I did see that movie. You did? I didn't buy that any of them were teenagers, so it was a problem. <laughs> I, was, I was a kid when I saw it, and I remember going, that guy's 37 if he's a day. That's not a teenager. <laughs> did he have a monologue of drunk storytelling? That's a specific acting style. Oh, yeah. Oh. No, I I don't know if he. Wow, I'm going to go watch it again and see. I don't know. Yeah, well, he has a classic drunk scene in this episode of Bonanza. Well, those are those are Wait, all who the does? Uh, who has uh, the classic drunk? Oh, the Dick, drunk Dixie. old Dixie. Yeah, yeah. He actually does the old bump into a post and say, "Excuse me, sir, I didn't see you there." Can't he get might have invented it. He might have invented that. Well, uh, okay. Uh, if there is, there, was there any other research interesting things you you had looked up there, uh, Meryl? Before we move on, um, uh, no, just that all the three people credited in this. Also, the writer Carrie Wilbur, I believe, was his name. He wrote for everything. He oh, wrote for yeah, Carrie Wilbur. He wrote for Barnaby Jones, Captain Video, Lost in Space, Hawaii Five O, Rawhide, Star Trek, Wonder Woman. General Hospital. He wrote a lot of General Hospital. I think you can feel that coloration in this. <laughs> There's some General Hospital here and there sprinkled yeah. in. Yeah, he, he wrote another episode of Bonanza we already talked about. He wrote the Space Seed episode of Star Trek, which was uh, it introduced uh, Ricardo Montalban. And something to do with, with bringing people from ancient Greece to outer space, right? Oh, is that what that is? Well, I I've, I've unfortunately read this part of his Wikipedia page, uh -huh. and not only, uh, was, but also it was rewritten three or four times, finally by Eugene Roddenberry, the creator of Star Trek. Oh. So I, I, I'm guessing whoever Carrie Wilbur was married to that night did not enjoy having him come home. It was I'm Martha Ray. He was not a happy writer that night after being rewritten by Eugene Roddenberry. Oh, man. He must have been pissed off. Yeah. Yep. Oh, well. But, uh, yeah, what do you think? You think he was married to Martha Ray at that time or Judy Garland? One of the two. Maybe they all had to be married to Martha Ray at one time. Maybe <laughs> that's what really held this episode together. Everybody in that era was on Perry Mason and married to Martha Ray. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, I think this is a good time to take a little break. And when we come back, we're going to go, as I say, scene by scene of season one, episode 14 of Bonanza, The Sisters. Don't go anywhere. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. We are back. This is it. We're going to we're going to dig right into this episode, the sisters, and it's a fine one, as I say. It's got it's got. I truly believe it has everything. I tried to make a list. I made a full list of everything I could think of, and it was all in this episode. Yeah, these last couple of episodes have been high drama. You know, real intense, super high drama. Yeah. Well, okay. It begins uh, in a beautiful outdoor setting is definitely not on a soundstage, beautiful outdoor setting. And all it's definitely a soundstage. <laughs> this one was. Oh, I'm definitely. Surprised. Sometimes yeah. they shot outside and sometimes they shot inside. And I can never tell. I have no idea. I, I never... also was noticing that those horses were not horses that had ever been on a ranch. Oh yeah. You know a thing or two about horses, don't you? I You're... do know a thing or two about horses. Those horses were very, very groomed. Those were not. Horses that have been out riding across the range. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know yeah. why that would be, because the fellas live out there on the Ponderosa, and they'll ride their horses across the the, the plains all the time, so I don't know. They did a lot of grooming of them, I guess. I guess so. Hop Sing. That's what Hop Sing jobs. That's like when you watch Veggie Tales, and it's Bible stories, and you're like, oh, the Bible wasn't a vegetables. <laughs> I didn't know exactly. tales, Bible stories. Oh yeah. Well, so uh, all four of our cast members ride up, and then there's a there's a fancy fellow and a man in a top hat, and there's a woman riding side saddle behind the bushes to sort of spy on what's going on, and uh, it's going to be a fancy duel between uh, Adam Cartwright and this fellow named John Henry, and uh, they uh, they do the ten paces and all that, and Adam stands there. Strong and stands upright as he's shot at. He doesn't blink an eye while this fellow shoots at him. And then he marches right up and he's well within his rights to just murder John Henry right then and there, however he wants to. But instead, he shoots his pistol in the air like a gentleman. He says, Next time you insult Sue Ann Carey, I'll kill you. So, we, and that's obviously the woman that's hiding in the bushes. And we understand he's defending the honor of a woman in a proper duel. Beautiful. What, what an exciting first scene, because I got so many questions. Why was she hiding in the bushes? Is what I was wondering. Uh, right, why didn't she just ride up and watch the duel out in the open? Or say, stop, stop. Don't, don't shoot each other for me. Well, I think you could tell for a moment she got a bit of a kick out of it. She sort of liked the idea yeah, these two fellas right. going to shoot one another about me. You know, I think you saw that in her face. It's fun to be for people to hurt them, hurt other people and on your behalf yeah. yeah i guess i wasn't thinking it straight you're right 
Yeah. So then we go to the opening credits, and uh, I, I believe this is the 14th episode of Bonanza to feature the burning map in the mm-hmm. opening credits, which is just a fun fact. And then, well, we go to a saloon, and there's that woman that was side saddle on the horse now, and she is, uh, well, I don't know. I mean, what is she? Is she a waitress, a bartender, or is she? She's just called a saloon girl, which leaves a lot of interpretation we, open, I think. Our family goes to Hooters. Because yes. of the quality of the chicken and the yes. service, okay. you cannot get those chicken wings and chicken tenders unless you belong to Costco. These girls are working themselves through college. Uh huh. Yeah, Hooters is wonderful. I go there all the time. So this so- is just an example of a young lady, you know, just working for a living. So she's a saloon girl, and she walks girl. up to John Henry, one of the dual participants. They have a little scene there where uh, he knows she was watching, and he says to her, he goes, you've been treating me like a biscuit-eating dog. Yeah, and is- I was wondering, is there a, another kind of dog? You know? <laughs> Every dog will eat a biscuit. Yeah. So I'm wondering what Breedy was thinking. Yeah, plus that's a happy dog, too. I think, Yeah. Yeah. So that that didn't work very well. I think well. that he intended that character to be the precursor to Dennis Hopper in Blue Velvet. Oh, wow. That's right. He's got crazy eyes, just same way. But I do think it would have been an improvement all the way around if they would have cast Chris Elliott as that character. <laughs> well, but he would have been real young at the time, Chris Elliott. Just a boy. Wouldn't he have been? I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah, I an guess infant. so. It might have yeah. worked. <laughs> You're right. He would have been an infant. Yeah, but they would have made it work. Yeah. Well, he he gives her a necklace, and she doesn't want to take it, uh, but uh, eventually she does. But then she does take it. She does. I thought that was an unusual acting choice. Oh yeah. Well, he kind of. She says, "I I don't want to hurt you any more than I already have." So she doesn't want to take the necklace, and he says, "It would hurt me more if you didn't." And so she she takes it. It's an emotionally complex scene. That's what jewelry is all about. It's the burden of it around your neck, like a noose. Yeah. She had that necklace forced upon her. Then we go to the Ponderosa Ranch house, and Adam and Ben is there, and uh, Ben is upset with Adam for doing a fool thing like getting in a duel. There's a shot in this scene, by the way, where we see a rack of rifles on the wall in that room that is like, it is, they are. There's also a very weird uh, rug placement in that in that scene. I noticed oh, yeah. the little area rug when you walk in the door is very weirdly placed. I didn't understand whether it was to keep you from tracking mud into the house or if it was just sort of an object to make the room look better. It, it's uh, watch that next time. It's it's interesting. I will take a notice it. of that. I wonder if there's a trap door under there. Oh yeah, right. It probably is. Somebody crosses the threshold and uh, you don't want them there. That's a really, that's a common design choice, though. The rack of rifles along one uh, wall of your living room, because it's for, you know, when you just have friends and family over and you just decide to have a mob or um, just somebody gets a bee in their bonnet and says, you know, let's let's do a posse and and take the law into our own hands because we can do that. There are sure. a lot of posses in this episode. Oh, yeah. They were Dinner conversation. to gather, I guess. Yeah. Dinner conversation sometimes turns to shooting and it's good to have rifles handy. So uh, 
Well, anyway, this is where we really understand that Adam is in love with Sue Ann Terry. He says, uh, some women are worth a lot of trouble, he says to Ben. And, and Ben says, she's been friendly with more than one man in Virginia City. Mm-hmm. That's the first time I think we get a real uh, real euphemism for fucking. I think that's what he's trying <laughs> to express there. And that's where David Rose really shines. Is Did you no- notice at all the music as he went up the stairs after he said, some women are worth the trouble and all this no, 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 no. Oh, man. That music really tells us he was really inspired by the word trouble, I guess. Yeah. Well, yep. it lets us know that uh, two things. One, um, that Adam has a very odd opinion of love is that he doesn't know how he feels, he says, about Sue, Ann Ter- Sue Ellen Terry, but yet he almost killed someone over her. So mm-hmm. that's a very uncertain emotional level for him. And the other is that something really terrible is happening uh, in that scene. Oh, yeah. He's letting us we... know that this is this is something really to be considered, that he's with that dark, dark crescendo oh, yes. of horns and uh, piano. Did he play any music over Biscuit Eating Dog that could get us any closer to understanding what that means? <laughs> I, I wish I had been able to talk to him. I thought a chicken dinner was a euphemism for fucking... <laughs> oh, Amy, language. It may be. Well, it's okay to use it if it's in regards to the reality of Bonanza. Oh, okay. Yes, yes, yes. And well, I would find out that yeah. when they had that music, when he walks up the stairs, the music continues through the dissolve into the next scene, which is uh, the beginning of a picnic. A beginning of a picnic. Yeah, and I'm going to show. And it becomes a pastoral of sorts. Oh, yeah. Oh, beautiful. So he lets us know there's something dark, but yet. There's something light. Oh, interesting. Man, that music is doing so much. It's affecting me emotionally, and I'm not even noticing it. Man, that's how good this guy was. I want to play a little scene from the from, from the picnic, a little clip from the picnic scene. Uh, this is a scene where uh, she has prepared the food, and he likes it, and she, she says, good, it's nice to know I can please a man so that we just know what we need to know about them. And uh, he, he plants a kiss on her that she wasn't expecting, and, uh, and then... She sort of she tries to say like uh what she tries to talk about herself a little bit and Adam makes it clear he's not interested in that and this scene ends in a spectacular way the way this scene ends is something else here we go let's watch this clip from the picnic scene come here I'm just trying to be honest with you I said come here <laughs> don't you want to know what I am what I really am. I'm tired of talking. Come here. And they two start making out. <laughs> and then we pan right over to the horse who is clearly watching them. That horse is absolutely watching them. And I thought the way that camera panned over, I was like, oh, man, there's going to be a villain in the bushes. Here's John Henry is looking at him. He's going to attack or something like that. And instead, it goes right onto the face of the horse. And then the horse turns his head to watch the two of them. He's a pervert horse. That is a pervert horse. That's exactly what I thought. I was thinking to myself when I watched that. Apparently, they didn't plan on anything being at the other end of that pan. (laughs) Yes, that's right. <laughs> they just panned to that horse. They knew that's, they had to get the camera off the two of them because the maybe this is when hot. Christian Nivey was drinking too much. You that know, maybe maybe he had a dip in his his life during this episode. 
I know, Mutt, you've told us before about what happens in that play Equus. And uh, is that a horse watches somebody have sex and then has to be blinded? That's exactly right. A young okay. religious fella has, well, I'll say it, he fucks. Okay. And, and there's a stable full of horses watching and he feels so guilty about it, he pokes all their eyes out, right? So yep. now if Adam wants to have any kind of uh, penance, he's got to poke the eyes of that horse out. Yep. Okay. Well, I'm sorry they didn't show us that scene because that might have been funny. Yeah. And it is well, pretty funny that she says, don't you want to know what I am? Yeah. And then he says, come here. <laughs> because he doesn't want to no. know what she is. You he know, doesn't want to know a damn it's thing. It's not a good it. idea in a, in a budding relationship to know too much. No, how Holy. how are you supposed to fall in love? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Get over here. I'm tired of talking. He knows what he wants. Well, then, it's nighttime in Virginia City. This is when we see old Dixie uh, mistake a hitching post for a gentleman. And boy, oh boy, I laughed. I had to pause it. I was laughing yeah. so hard that I did talking to a hitching post. And uh, then uh, Adam and Sue come along and old Dixie insults Sue. And uh, and now it really begins to seem like Adam's got his hands full defending Sue against insults. And uh, Dixie says, ask her about me, Cartwright. And, and she says, there'll be others like him, Adam, men out of the past who hate me. And uh, yeah, that old Dixie sure seems bitter. This woman is a handful, wouldn't you say? Yeah, she needs a lot of defending. Like She's like Vietnam. And she apparently can't get out of a carriage either. He lifts her out of the carriage. Yeah, oh, That yeah. I thought was sort of unnecessary, but yet interesting. And then yeah. he kisses her while still holding her, which you know, no one has ever done for me. And that kind of saddens oh, me. Not even the one time, huh? No. You want to come up to my shipping container up in Tra Lake Tahoe? I'll do that for you. <laughs> wow. Mutt I'll, Taylor I'll, lives in a shipping look container. Into that. He's yeah, illegally, I... uh, illegally squatting on what used to be the Ponderosa. That's right. Yeah. My husband wears a brace around his back so he can just carry me everywhere so I don't run away. <laughs> <laughs> we have so much fun. You guys, this is my favorite couple I ever heard of. You I two. know. I wish I had someone like you, Amy. You guys got it all. Yep. Oh, yes, we do. And we're writing the Bible now together because he said I couldn't do it. Oh, fantastic. So he said, you're going to make it boring. And I says, no, I'm just going to make it short. <laughs> That's good. That was your project, and he took it over, huh? I That's love it. right, because he is better. Yep. Well, then we get our scene, our very funny Hop Sing scene. Hop Sing is out there. He's feeding chickens, and he's going to grab one of them because it's uh, they're cooking up a dinner because Sue Ellen Terry's coming over for dinner. And Hoss comes out and says, oh, I'll show you how to how to catch a chicken. And this is the scene where we learn, would have never learned this before, that Hoss Cartwright has no depth perception. <laughs> he... He takes these dives for these chickens, and he's a, a few feet clear of them. He just dives straight into the dirt. <laughs> It's tragically sad. Could I ask I something? Say, that that scene really made me worry for the chickens. I mean, I oh yeah, I started to worry and never stopped worrying the whole scene about those chickens. You'll Set notice there was no no animals were harmed in the making of this production. No, some animals were harmed in the making of this. All yeah, animals thought, that were used were harmed, except the end, for the pervert we, horse, including that horse. Yeah. <laughs> Hoss walks into frame at some point holding a chicken by the feet. And I thought, well, that's a prop chicken. But then when he lets go of it, it flutters away oh, and gets yeah. the hell out of his hands. There yeah. were no prop chicken. <laughs> they, hey, it, 
Can I ask That's when you, what happens when you hold a chicken by the leg upside down, he calms down or she calms down. Oh. That's what my husband does. <laughs> <laughs> to you? I just stiffen. I stiffen and I play dead. Well, I remember in our last episode, you said that you had been diagnosed with rigor mortis at one time. And that's, uh, yes. that's very serious. Yeah. Everyone said, oh, is, is she okay? And I wasn't. Right. Are you okay now? Have you limped up at all? Well, you know, you have to kind of prop me up on different things. <laughs> but no, I just, you know, mostly it's what I've been trying to do is just bring pillows everywhere with uh -huh. me. This Good decorative idea. pillows. I have a whole outfit I sewn together of, of decorative pillows. My husband doesn't want them on the couch anymore. <laughs> this is why I'm bringing them with me. <laughs> That's a great idea. <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah, I'm I'm with your husband on that. Get them damn pillows off the couch. Yeah, fuck well, those uh, pillows. Am I using that right? What? Fuck. I don't know. What'd you just say? Fuck the fuck those pillows? Yeah, but is it is it sinful if I do it that way? Amy? Uh it's unclear, well, I would say. Okay. Well, only if you think if the pillows are aren't men male pillows like if they don't have a a hunting theme <laughs> no i gotta are, say uh... i had a dog that actually saw when you would put the pillows on the couch like fix the couch up it was as if the couch had put on a negligee <laughs> and would just jump them and uh and would 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 hump the couch for the duration of the time that you were in the room with him, which I found amusing. But some of my friends didn't particularly care for. I lost a lot of friends that way. Well, don't you think the dog was just trying to dominate the couch? Wasn't uh, I had that the conversation with the dog, and that's not what the dog will ha oh, wow. has told me. No, Was that a biscuit-eating dog? <laughs> it was a biscuit-eating okay. dog, definitely. You don't know why something's being raped. I think that's been made clear in so many biblical stories you think, yeah. oh, it's it's not good. Remember, last daughters, they raped their father, but not because they wanted to. It was because they made a decision because they wanted to spread the seed of their ancestor. Anyways, I, I'm not explaining it right. No, I think you are. Uh, I'm always happy to be reminded of the fact that Lot's daughters raped their father. Because I, 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 I mean, I just forget it after every time I've heard it. It's amazing. Uh, Remember right. it. I got it. It's in there now. Well, okay. Then we go to Virginia City. It's the daytime. Adam runs into the sheriff. By the way, this show goes through sheriffs about as fast as it goes through women. Yeah. And also, um, I'd like to point out at this point, we see that Adam is the only one who has giant cups on his jeans. Oh, yeah, he does. I, know. I don't know whether that's because he was short and the jeans that they bought for the rest of the cast were just uh, he was walking on them. If they didn't cuff them up for him, he had they made them like big boy <laughs> jeans. By I think he thinks him. he's the Elvis of the West. Oh, I see. He's you a soch. Yeah, those, he is. He's a those soch. jeans must have been like a like a 52 inseam or something like that. <laughs> they just cuffed him up. Big time, right over his boots. Uh, 
Yeah. So now, and Buddy Epson, as the sheriff steps forward, and the sheriff, uh, he's heard about Adam and Sue Ellen, and he doesn't like it one bit. And he's and he's also a real gossip. He says, "You getting anywhere with her?" Yeah. And man, Adam doesn't like that one bit. And then David Rose comes in with a piano glissando, I believe you call it. Whoa. What the hell is a glissando? <laughs> oh. What 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 did that indicate? Because that sounds like love to me. I was not sure what that indicated. I think that uh, I I was not sure, but I I'm going to have to watch that again. I I should I should have looked into that further. I, I think it's a bit of a travel back in time, memory wise, because we later find out that Buddy Epson had a thing for that. Right. That oh, guy. Don't, oh. don't tip this. That's oh. a spoiler. Did I okay. spoil it? Okay. Well, no, she yep. does die. <laughs> So well, does by, Jesus. That's right. For three by days. That's yeah. not a spoiler if he comes back. That's true. Well, but now, the, uh, sh- this is the scene where we learn that the sheriff is uh, one what they call in uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and Al-Anon an enabler. Oh, who's he enabling? Oh, Dixie. Right. Yeah. Old Dixie. Yeah. The guy says, I, I'm thirsty. I, I've, I need a drink. And he's he's a well-known alcoholic, but. The sheriff gives him some money. That's for right. Thing. Well, this sheriff is a he's a real politician. He's very concerned about upcoming uh, sheriff elections. And so he'll do anything for he refers to the citizens of Virginia City as voters all the time. Talk a lot about voting. And and I guess one way to get old Dixie's vote is to give him money to get boozed up. He's a he. Yeah, that sheriff, if he'd been around now, he probably would be secretary of agriculture. Uh, that's true. Yeah, because he's very politically minded fella. Uh, and he stops by the home of Sue Ellen and her sister. And uh, well, that's when he runs into, we run into Sue Ellen's sister, Amelia. And he says to her, sober and watering flowers. I can't believe it. Yeah, I got, so obviously Amelia's got some kind of a past. And, uh, uh, and see, yeah, what does he say? He, the message he has for Sue that he conveys through Amelia is that Sue should stop messing around with Adam Cartwright. He's afraid they're going to get hurt. And Amelia goes in, and she has a very poorly hidden bottle of booze behind a clock there on the mantel in a very fancy house. And uh, and that's when we first see Sue up in her bedroom dancing like a, a little ballerina in a music box to a little ballerina in a music box. How do these girls, uh, do you suppose, afford this house? Well, that's fuck a good it. question. Yeah, fuck it. It's the fanciest house we've ever seen. Uh, in Bonanza, and I think, yeah, I think we're meant to understand that they've been bilking men for fancy necklaces and all that. Yeah, right. they fucked their way into luxury. Yeah. Am I, I doing this right? I didn't think Who it has was it? <laughs> fucking. I thought it was just light kisses. Oh, maybe it was oh. kisses and picnics. Like they have a kissing booth? Picnics and then bringing, you know, tete-a-tetes at, oh. the, uh, at the bar. Oh, yeah. Bon mots, trysts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, now, and this is the scene we were talking about. This is a long, long scene between Amelia and Sue Ellen. And this scene, by the way, passes that what you call it uh, Bechdel test in that in at no time in this scene are these two women not talking about men. <laughs> and <laughs> there is a, a moment where. Oh, uh, that's not true. That the one scene. Where, where she, I've already talked about this, but where she discusses how she comes into her room. Well, yeah, but that does end with her saying, when I get to the bottom step, I pause so a man will take my arm. But that's true. There was a part of that that was about the stairs. I think Bonanza's pledge is hereby 
I hear two four announce this show will never pass the Bechdel test. Oh, I thought it did. I thought you're as long as you never had a woman talking about something other than a man. Maybe oh, I got okay. it wrong. Yeah. But there's a, a that, yep. This is the corset scene where Amelia is really strapping her little sister into that corset, and at some point she says to her, "Breathing isn't important," which is uh, I did I don't agree. That's one thing in this episode I don't agree with. I think you better be breathing, and. uh, Amelia. I also noticed that that on television shows of this era, women brush their hair for a very, very long time. That's they get true. the hair and then they just it's like they work on it for an entire scene. Like you have to just keep brushing your hair, brushing and brushing your hair. That's a good point. Yep, that's true. That's like a men would be whittling on a stick and w- women would be <laughs> brushing their hair. Yeah, Gotta have some business. Mm hmm. Well, and this is where we learn that Amelia has tried so hard to train her sister in the ways of tricking men. Uh, and uh, she she says, uh, what did she say? Sue asserts her independence. Oh, yeah. Sue just lays down the law with her sister. And she says, I'm going to marry me, Adam Cartwright. I'm not low class trickster like you. And uh, yeah, they, they really go at each other there. But then she she shows that she follows the tricks and that she drops the drink. She does the drop a drink. Oh, wait a minute. Oh, yeah, that's Back in the next at the ranch chicken house. dinner. Yeah. <laughs> drop a drink. Drop. This is a scene where now we're back. It's a fancy dinner at the Ponderosa. The The boys are all dressed up like Colonel Sanders like they do when it's fancy dinner time. <laughs> and uh, uh, Sue Allen is telling lie after lie about her rich father and how much she loves good wine and traveling to Europe. And uh, then she spills her wine. While and David bragging. Rose puts in some dragnet music. It sounds like it came from dragnet. No, 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 no. Oh, man. That's how we know you're lying. You've been busted. Uh, and she says she wants to go home. And Ben Cartwright, he doesn't, he doesn't try for a moment to talk her out of it. She says, it seems like the beginning of the evening. And she says, I'd like to go home. And Ben says, I'll get your rap. Like, yeah, yeah. You better get out of here. After get, dr- getting dressed up and everything, you'd think he'd be disappointed. I mean, you'd think that they would have cooked the dinner and everyone got dressed up and they'd be annoyed that she was leaving at that point. You yeah, might kill all them chickens for that. I know. They really went all out. But uh, like we say, Ben's not too wild about this relationship. Well, then we have a, a very, very beautiful scene. Do I have a yeah, I have the clip from that I'll show you. And this is the scene where Adam is uh, dropping off his bride-to-be, and uh, these two is going to get married, and they're going to live uh, happily ever after, the two of them. And he's just dropping her off at the house, and uh, they have a little exchange. goes like this. What are you thinking? Oh, about you. I'm sorry about tonight, Adam. I tried to impress your father and your brothers and... I just made a big fool of myself. Doesn't matter. Oh, it does matter. It matters so much. My father wasn't a big merchant in St. Louis. See that? They're coming together to telling each other the truth. was or what he did. Look at those teeth. He ran a small notion store. And we weren't rich, and we didn't have a big house, and we didn't have a lot of servants. Are you very disappointed? (laughs) A question like that doesn't even deserve an answer. He loves her so much. This is but a true, beautiful relationship. He's trying to keep me away. He comes in for the kiss. These two are going to make it. Listen to that music. Yeah. Oh. Oh. Never mind. Oh, never did it. Cartwright. That's it. She's oh. dead. Yep. 
Well, that happens every damn time a Cartwright falls in love. Yeah, never fall in love with a Cartwright. Never. Is it the death wish of all these women who are drawn to them, knowing that they'll meet their maker by dating a Cartwright? Kind of like women who date rock stars. Right. You would just say, well, that's the, the, they wanted to get into the game. Yeah. Beautiful self-destruction. That was the most abrupt uh, of all of the deaths, I think, of uh, character of a love interest on this show. It's, it's amazing uh, that they didn't actually even nick Adam Cartwright, that the bullet just went right to her, even though he was really standing in front of her. That's true. It was, Bullets yeah. aim for women, usually. I don't know if you knew that, is that <laughs> a lot of times bullets are, because women's skin is so soft and we're so irritating. Yeah, you got them smart bullets. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's it. She's dead. And Adam sees where the shots came from and he fires back and he, he gives chase and old Dixie runs up and then old Dixie says something not helpful to a dying woman. He says, I knew this was bound to happen someday. If I was lying there dying that I would not want to, I'd be mad. I would say, think of something else to say to me. (laughs) I was amazed at how quickly a mob gathered. Oh, that's true. It seems like there was all sorts of people. <laughs> You're right. They were there in like two seconds flat. whole bunch of people. I guess there was always a mob at the ready, kind of, in that And yet, as era. we'll later learn, none of them stepped forward as witnesses to the crime. They was close by, but they didn't see it. I, they were just mingling. Yeah, in the 90210 small town condo development. There, there you go. I can't no get past a- Adam's teeth, and he's starting to make me feel like a, one of them xenomorphs, like that little thing's going to pop out the front of him and come forward. And You know what I'm oh, talking about? Exactly. You, yeah. Uh, Mutt has shared his screen, and now we're all looking at a xenomorph. <laughs> there's, a, there's a xenomorph on the screen. Alien yeah, versus about. predator. Those are some teeth that are reminiscent, I think. Yeah, and he is both alien and sexual predator. He is. I just thought to myself, it's not so much the size of the teeth; it's that they're they're headed inward. All of them. They are. Yeah. They're spokes. They're yeah, yeah. They really are. I, I you know, I'm. I can't get over the scene that where she says, I, "I'm going to tell you something about myself," and he says, "Come here." And then right before that, there's a shot of him laying backward in the grass and he i wonder when he was doing prep for that scene it looked to me like what he had said to himself is i need to make a face that that says i am beyond irresistible i am just so irresistible (laughs) he's laying there with this irresistible face because why else after she said well i need to tell you about myself would he have been able to just go come here Yeah. yeah she found him that irresistible because he was making that face I guess so. Either that or he's just a lot stronger. It he, seems like that might have been the other choice. Sometimes that's a part of the romance is that you can't get away. Yep. Yep. Maybe. Well, now Adam is is accused of murder. People think he killed Sue Ellen and there's a mob that wants to hang him. And now he's been uh, he's been placed under arrest by Sheriff Jesse Sanders and uh, the Cartwrights ride into town. And uh, the, the Cartwrights are want to bust them loose, but uh, there's too many sheriff's deputies. It does, it's not practical for them to do it. 
And Ben goes and visits Adams in his Adam in his cell. And this is where we learn the real emotional complexity of this relationship from Adam's point of view, because he says about Sue Ellen, he says, she never loved me. She just liked the idea of being married to a cartwright. Mm. And then he says, that he, and he was just trying to teach her what love meant. I <laughs> felt like that was a projection. Oh, wait a minute. What do you mean by that? That, that he mean? was thought he was trying to teach her about love, but she's teaching him about love. And after wow. all, he just wanted to be married to a Cartwright. He, yeah, he says I don't. That's think, it. Yeah. I don't think she knew what love meant. Did you? Uh, he says this being a guy who didn't know how he felt about her, but was willing to kill a man in the first scene. So right. that's some very interesting psychology that uh, Carrie Wilbur has brought to the writing. Yes. So confusing. And what does it mean to be married to a Cartwright? To it, die. It, it means you're it dead. Means it to means die. to die. She yeah. just wanted to die. Right. The, she wasn't in love with me. She just wanted to die about the midpoint in this episode. Yeah. Death delivered through the mouth of a wagon wheeled toothed man. <laughs> okay. Well, that clears that up. <laughs> Well, now, uh, let's see here. Now we're in a saloon, and Dixie, drunk good old Dixie, is now telling everybody he's making up a heck of a story. And, and no word of it is true. He's telling them all about how he'd unseen Adam Cartwright murder, uh, what's her name, uh, Sue Ellen, in cold blood. And uh, not a word of it is true. And it seems like the whole mob at the saloon is about to get ready to go hang Adam. But then in walks Amelia and immediately changes the mood. Every, suddenly everybody goes, oh, Amelia's here. She's and, got uh, her breakaway grieving clothes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, she goes right up to John Henry, who's sitting there. And, uh, and uh, yeah, he points out, he says, is that your morning dress? It ain't no morning dress. This is her sister just died like an hour ago, and she's all dressed up for flirting. It's an evening dress. I'd Nobody say. has cried for this woman who died, by the way. Not one person, not Adam, right. not the not the drunk guy who was holding her lifeless corpse. Right. Oh, yes. We should we should say that Adam uh, is taking this uh, very, very well, the death yeah. of his true love. He is taking it exceedingly well. Water off a duck's back. Even the moment she was shot, there's no moment of, oh, he just, what? Oh, I, now I got to chase somebody. Yeah, it's like as an actor and a character, he went, oh, an event happened. Yeah. Yes. And there was very, no blood either. Oh, right. There was no blood. It's, that's because yeah. her corset's so tight, it's a tourniquet. <laughs> I bet Thank that's you. right. You've yeah. explained it beautifully. Well, uh, so now, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, so she tries, she figures John Henry did the killing and she tries to blackmail him. And he accuses her right back. And now we've got a who done it. Because I could see it could be either one of them two, actually. And now I don't know who it was did the killing. Or maybe it was old Dixie. Now we got three suspects. This is getting exciting. And uh, let's see here. She suspects it was. And now Jesse says uh, it's going to be a tussle. Ben. Okay, yeah, this is important. Ben. Ben drags old Dixie into the sheriff's office. He has beat a confession out of old Dixie that he lied when he said Adam did the murder. And uh, and uh, sheriff says, how'd you get him to tell you the truth? And Ben says, I shook it out of him. That'll hold up in court. <laughs> exactly. Ben, it was torture. Ben tortured old Dixie until <laughs> he told him the truth. And And now, well... Okay, that's it. Adam could be released, but Jesse says, I can't release him now because there's a mob out there looking for blood. There's been some mention of ropes. And so he won't let him out. 
And then this this part confused me. Old uh, Sheriff Jesse Sanders goes in to see Adam in the cell. He gives Adam a gun and he says, "Okay, here's what I want you to do later on tonight. Uh, Pull this gun on my deputy. He'll give you the keys. You get out of here and I'll give you eight hours to get away. Now, why is he doing that if he's just learned by way of old Dixie that Adam is innocent? I was confused. I don't know either. But that's the beauty and the mystery of Bonanza is that it's, if you don't question it, it's like questioning the will of God. Well, and just like with the will of God, eventually my confusion did get an answer. Because now in the next scene, there's a mystery man. This was some good directing by Adam Nivey. He completely avoided showing us this guy's face. That could must have been hard. There's a man, we never see his face, and he's got a rifle and he tries to shoot Adam when Adam does the escape from jail that Sheriff Jesse told him to do later that night. But Adam uh, doesn't get shot. A big a light blows up instead. But, and Adam fails to shoot this mystery man. Now, Adam goes, oh, no, what happens next? He t- Oh, yeah, Adam's got a Friends gun. after him. Past, past the ass store. Past the ass store. Uh, now, the mystery man, and we still don't see his face, he is at Amelia's house now. And Amelia... It seems like tried to blackmail the mystery man, making you think this is John Henry. Uh, but she knows it's him. And then she he goes to strangle her. Uh, and she she sees it coming for a long time. <laughs> uh, those hands are coming toward her for a long She goes, oh, no. Oh, no. No. Like she objects. But mostly she just mostly accepts the strangling. Yeah, that's like when my cat gets out and I go to chase her and she just freezes on the ground like I ain't going to see her. <laughs> but I could catch her just fine. She doesn't move. That was like that, except for strangling. People don't know that's one of the stages of suicide is that <laughs> as you're about to do it and your own life, you go, oh, oh, no, no. And then you walk into it. <laughs> <laughs> And that's part of the relief. That's it. Right. Yes. She might have been distracted by the fact that uh, she wasn't sure of how she came into that room. I don't think we saw her coming into that room, did we? Oh, right. That's her sister's room, isn't it? Yeah, but she never would come in through the door. She goes through the chimney. that before. Yeah, she rebelled down. Yeah. She rebelled down. Exactly. That we don't see that though. She was hanging. But that just might to... be why she wasn't worried about him, is that she could yeah. see her rappel rope. She did a Mission Impossible thing down yeah. to the floor. She was hanging just a few inches from the ceiling for an yeah. hour before the mystery man came in, and then she she, she floated down. <laughs> yeah, so that would that would distract you after all that. Yeah, you're very prone to be strangled. Well, uh, okay, so now. Adam happened to be on his way to that same house, and he busts in, I guess, shortly after she's been strangled. But Mystery Man is gone. And, man, it sure looks like he done killed Amelia, doesn't it? But Ben shows up, too. I don't know why Ben went there. Who knows why anybody goes anywhere? (laughs) Ben Ben says, uh, but Ben immediately doesn't suspect Adam of murdering anybody. But he says, uh, what does he say? He says, oh, he tells him, Sheriff Jesse is putting together a posse for you. Well, now... Adam knows, hey, Sheriff Jesse told me I'd have an eight, eight-hour start if I escaped, and now he's putting together a posse for me? Something ain't right. He says, tell that sheriff I'm going to meet him at his place, which Ben does. Ben tells Sheriff Sanders, Adam, I saw Adam. He says, he'll meet you at his place. I guess he's going to turn himself in or whatever. 
And then I'm going to play you this scene. The uh, sheriff shows up at his own place. And as he's walking in the door, he passes by the mystery man's jacket. So if you had any doubts up to that point, you know now. <laughs> Sheriff Jesse Sanders is the mystery man that done tried to shoot Adam and strangled Amelia. And uh, and Adam is sitting there behind a desk. And we know, but Sheriff Sanders does not, that he has a gun. I'm going to share my screen with you. And this is some remarkable shooting on the part of uh, Adam Cartwright here. He's here. Well, well, I guess I gave it away. Damn it. Now I did things in the wrong order. Here, can you see my screen? Yeah. Yes. All right, here it is. You know, it'd been neater if I'd been killed when I busted out of your jail. That's where you made a mistake, Jesse. Your first one. You bust in jail convinced the voters you was a killer, all right. What was my second mistake? Getting up a posse after you promised me eight clear hours. And I began to look as though you wanted me dead awfully bad. Don't try it, Jesse. Wowie, how do you do that? He's got his gun underneath the desk, and somehow from that position, he's such a good shootsman that he ends up shooting the sheriff in the heart. Really? He didn't have the gun? He had the gun in the hanky, I thought. I thought it was in a hanky, a gun hanky. I thought hanky. so, too, but then I saw it that time, and it looks like it's under the desk. Oh, I thought the gun is in his left hand under the desk. Can you put that up again? Let's fact check this. I'm Dang pretty it. sure it was disguised in the hanky, which I thought was very clever to just be holding yeah. a hanky. Yeah, it is a lady's derringer, so it, it probably should oh, be in the hanky. right. Well, okay. Let's see if... Make that screen this... a little bigger, too. Hit that maximize. Oh, dang it. Look at how way too far I've rewound it. I am selling gun hankies. Okay. As well, so oh, you sell gun hankies on your side? Gun hankies for all, all models for AK-47. Oh, wow. That's a big oh, hanky. Listen, we're watching more of the scene than I care to. Let's see if I move it forward a bit. Okay. Now I see the hanky. You know, Holding it in his right hand, he's got the hanky. That's a gun hanky. That's where you made a mistake, It does Jesse. look like a gun hanky. First one. Once we, see, you now what's in his left hand down there? Yeah, or is that the hardware of the drawer? Oh. my second mistake. Getting up a posse. I don't think that it is in the hanky. He's not pointing hours. it at him. Well, then why is he holding then the hanky? Because he's a damn It's a comfort hand hanky. It's, it's a, a hanky for try, comfort. Watch, he watch. shoots through the hanky. See that? Wait a oh. minute. All right, we watched him out of the what hanky. You know, he shot from his left hand, and it's in his left hand. The what gun. My second mistake. Yeah. Getting up when a he puts it down. After you promised oh, yeah. clear hours. We're, just, we're going to watch this as many times as we need bad. to until everybody agrees with me. <laughs> no, Don't try, Jesse. It's a left hand, but the gun... Is... Oh, I got it. He shoots through the desk. You can see the hole in the desk. He shot clear through the desk. But the gun hanky is necessary because it provides a... A, a, a distraction, distraction, a misdirection. Yeah, a misdirection. Oh, that's what that's it is. Exactly the sheriff right. thinks, what is he doing with that hanky? And is as the sheriff is so distracted by the hanky. Yeah, he's sitting there <laughs> that thinking. he doesn't notice the gun. He's a regular old popping jay. He ain't going to shoot me. He's got a hanky. Bam, I'm dead. Sometimes yeah. when somebody has a piece of Kleenex or a hanky, all I can think about is how gross it is. Oh, it's full of snot, right? So that'll get, that'll take you out of the moment, wondering where the gun is. I've yeah. got this uh, microfiber glass cleaning thing, and when I wave it here like this, does that make you feel like you're not going to get shot? I think wipe it <laughs> on your sleeve. 
I Why are you such that... a show off? <laughs> well, oh, you know what it is? I'll tell you what it is. That hanky belonged to Sue Ellen Terry. And when Adam Cartwright goes into Sheriff Jesse's house, he sees that oh. Sheriff Jesse is in possession of a hanky of Sue Ellen's, and that's an important piece of information to him. And so he's holding it there like, well, 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 look who's got a hanky from Sue Ellen. Oh, Terry. he's a weird collector. But yes. then we find out from the little speech that the sheriff gives that those are false conclusions. What do you mean there's a false conclusion? Well, the, the sheriff gives a speech about how he has been stalking Sue Ellen. You forgetting that speech? No, no, no. I, yeah, that's right. So now the sheriff has been fatally shot and he falls down. And luckily, that same mob that rushed up to Sue, Ann, Sue Ellen Terry the moment after she was shot also rushes into this room. And it's real good that there was people there because the sheriff is inspired to, uh, in his dying moment, confess to all of his crimes, which really it looked like Adam had committed. Uh, and he confesses that it was him that shot Sue Ellen Terry, although he didn't mean to. He was trying to shoot at him, right? And he says about how he used to watch her. He used to sit outside her house and watch her. Oh, yeah. So he was a stalker. And that she used to give him, she gave him a pretty hat that she was wearing. He'd tell her that's a pretty hat, and then she'd give it to him. That's so weird. I guess he was a cross-dresser. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah, he's like I wonder a... he was, he was such an outsider, he had nothing ahead of him but a life of crime. He's a Wild West proto-Ed Gein. Who's that? Ed Gein. He's that fellow that uh, killed a woman or man and made a lampshade and a suit out of skin. And then they based Leatherface and um, Silence the Lambs, Buffalo Bill off him and uh, Psycho. He's a real, real complicated fellow. Hell of a guy. Fantastic. Sinner. Yeah, Yeah, I have a lamp here that's made of human skin. I think. No shit. Yeah, sure do. Well, that's uh, and that's how that episode ends. Everything is uh, back to normal in the lives of our heroes, the Cartwrights, and the love interest body count now is up to eight here on episode <laughs> 14. If you count Ben's three wives and all the other women that have died on this show in only 14 <laughs> episodes. Uh, and on, I'm very sad to say that after this episode, we only have 417 left to go. Oh. God. Good Lord. That's so sad. They should have had a skull on that map when they burned it, shouldn't they? (laughs) Yeah. A warning. You are, you will die. Well, uh, okay. Any other thoughts or reflections or, uh, uh, noticings from this episode? Anybody had? I was interested in the color of shirt that, uh, Adam was wearing. I thought that was an unusual choice for an old West burnt orange. Oh, a burnt orange shirt. Yeah. I thought uh, there's some point where I thought, hey, he's dressed like the monkeys used to dress. You remember the monkeys? (laughs) Yeah, he does. This must have been the 1860s. (laughs) Yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I'm getting into the women's fashion uh, undergarment uh, business as a result of this episode. Hmm. It's going to be like Spanx, but not. It's a Christian-based undergarment company. So, I'm selling, it's called Straps, and it's just rope. I just sell you lengths of rope, and you you bind your body in these ropes, and you can see it. You know, you can see, you don't see panty lines anymore. You see layers and layers of rope <laughs> where you're being tied in. And you call it Straps, and people can straps. find that on your website. Uh, Lotsdaughters.com. <laughs> 
And that's also really useful if you want to hold the woman upside down, as we spoke of earlier. Like a bat. Those ropes would be useful that way. Calm me down. (laughs) (laughs) I'm PMSing. Hold me by the legs like a chicken. (laughs) Hey, Meryl, there's one last thing I want to ask you about in your book. There's a moment in the book where your mother accuses you of being a Frankenstein monster. Yeah. Yeah. uh, that that really amazed me because I'm not supposed to talk about monsters on this show. They don't want me to. But I, I am a person who is plagued by vampires and mummies and Frankensteins. And every once in a while, you'll see somebody and f- that's a Frankenstein. You have to deal with them. But uh, why did your mother say that to you? What was that about? You know, I didn't realize that uh, at the time. That wasn't really a very nice thing for her to say to me, you know? Right. At the time, it didn't. At the time, you thought, well, at least I'm getting some attention. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> Pretty much. Was it a reaction to your makeup? I forget now. Why did she say that? You- it was reaction to uh, uh, her lack of metaphors, I think, would be one thing. <laughs> yeah. And then um, uh, just that uh, she didn't really care for my behavior. And, and so it was Frankenstein-like, I think. I, You know, now that you're asking me that question, I haven't fully analyzed why she she thought I was made of uh, the parts of other dead people. Yeah, but you, just to... Even though she had given birth to me herself. And so um, right. that was, a, a, you know, I'm going to have to give that some real thought. But just to be clear, you are not a Frankenstein. You know, I'm, now I'm not clear about it. <laughs> Wait a minute. Oh, oh no. Look, uh, maybe, just a little word of advice, Meryl. I wouldn't tell Dalton you as a Frankenstein. He's liable to do something rash. Frankenstein, you gotta you got to chase him into the sea with a lighted torch. So, uh, oh, it's the sea. It's oh. the sea. <laughs> it's a good thing I didn't live in Virginia City. There have been mobs following me around day and night. <laughs> for yeah. sure. Those mobs looking for activity. Yep. The they had a mob problem in that city, didn't they? They really did. Yes, they did. Uh, and the That's, sheriff w- had no ability to control them. At some point, he says, I, I can't do anything in this town without shooting voters or something like that. That's what he said. He said it's harder and harder to get elected without killing voters, which seemed like a very contemporary thing to say. <laughs> True. It's been very hard for for our ex-president to get elected without killing voters. He had to kill um, uh, an enormous number of voters. When and you say ex-president, you're talking about Obama? I don't understand. I don't understand. We... Yeah. Donald Trump, he's, it's very, it's tooth and who knows who's going to win this election. There's no way of telling as of this date, November 11th, 2020. Could go either way. Yeah. It's eight days past election day. No way to tell. No way to tell. All right, folks. Well, on that note, Amy, anything la- 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 finally to plug for you? Got something to plug? Just say my friends and family and my neighbors won't come into the house anymore for my gatherings because they know they should bring a credit card. But, um, <laughs> You know, um, I'm really interested in this mob idea and that um, maybe just, you know, people getting together in mobs uh-huh. um, for angry purposes could also be my new customer. Hey, that. Oh, yeah. OK, sure. You, you bring your products to an angry mob. <laughs> I think that's a great idea. Maybe you could you could reconceive of the idea of mobs as being happier. A happier kind of mob. A, ha- a happy mob. Well, and anger can be very joyful, especially if it's righteous. <laughs> yeah, or just a perfectly content mob. A mob that's, you know, they don't have to be so happy either. Just kind of, this is a mob. 
that doesn't feel it strongly, they're fine. They're a okay. blase mob. A blase mob. The blase but they mob. want to make a strong decision all as one. <laughs> to buy some products. And Meryl, your book is out now. People can get it. Where can people get your book? They can get my book at uh, where all books are sold. I Maybe you right can get here. a whole mob to just shrug. Look at that here. Hey, instead hey, but- of instead of pitchforks and torches, it would be the whole mob going, eh? <laughs> <laughs> Mutt, take a screenshot. You know how to you do that. Can, absolutely. You know why I why I called it We Saw Scenery? Why? Because um uh because I read that in one of my diaries. That was how I described anything at the age of eleven that wasn't me. Oh As scenery? Yeah. I just said we went on a family vacation. We saw scenery. You Is know, that, that what, was what you call my that descriptive Nazi? version of everything that was going by outside of me <laughs> scenery we saw see and you drew the pictures in here this is illustrated diaries with commentary and you draw all the pictures and wrote all them words that's right man it's it's wonderful imagine it, how much work it does seem like a lot of work it take you a long time it took me a lot of years yeah my book, uh, I have a book called You Must Buy Your Wife At Least As Much Jewelry As You Buy Your Horse and Other Poems and Observations, Humorous and Otherwise from a Life on the Range. And it's uh, a lot of the pages are blank. So uh, just it's one For way. notes to, and recipes and stuff. A lot yeah, of books have that in there. So Exactly. You, can, you guys are all so impressive. If it ain't books, it's multi-level marketing. I'm up here in Lake Tahoe looking at pine cones and just throwing them like they was grenades. Well, that ain't easy either, Mutt. Thank Give you. yourself some credit. Okay. Hard to find pine cones. Not All right, here. folks. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you to Meryl Marco for being here and Mutt and Amy as usual. And that's another episode of Bonanza in the Books. See you next time. Bananas for Bonanza is brought to you by Andy Daly with Maria Bamford and Matt Gordon. Theme song by Matt Gordon with The Journeyman, which in this case are Mark McConville, Daniel Nuchikoff, and Wade Ryan. Special thanks to our gang on the ground, Josh Richmond and Shannon Locke. Bananas for Bonanza is produced by Ryan Connor and Matt Gordon. And executive... Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love 
and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Produced by Colin Anderson and Chris Bennett. We'll see you next time.